Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Wes back here with another episode of Fandom Power Presents The Fan Batch. Once again, I'm joined here in studio with uh, super producer, wizard extraordinaire, the man who uh, saves my bacon more than I can count, Andrew Daw. Hello. And uh, our, uh, <laughs> okay. I don't even know where to point when I'm doing this now. I, I I'm know still you're, getting used to that. You're somewhere. I don't even know if my hand, there you go. Yeah, you're there somewhere. You <laughs> <laughs> I'll just do this. Yeah. And one of my oldest friends and invaluable co-host. Hank McLaughlin out in Halifax. How's it going, folks? I'm doing okay. It's been an interesting week. We had uh, a few things happen this week. Uh, I know pre-show we were just talking about uh, how we had to salvage our our audio from last week because in my infinite uh, wisdom, I made some wrong, (laughs) some errant selections on our mixer, which really jeopardized our show. But as I say, Andy the Wizard was able to uh, salvage it and saved our bacon, so... Thank you for that. It's awesome. Last week, uh, I uh, talked about the idea or <laughs> the fact that we had a copyright strike against us in uh, YouTube. And uh, I think, did I tell you, we both, Andy and I both had uh, contacted uh, the actual creator of our music to see if he would help. And uh, it turns out he was very interested in helping us. And uh some good news to report this week. We got a message from YouTube saying that uh, Face the Music has released their claim against us, and uh, awesome. we're good to go. Yep. So Sorry. I'm super happy about that. That takes a whole level of stress off of me. Yeah, the copyright's back where it should be with electronic senses. Right. And uh, so the only thing is, like I'd mentioned before, that that song had been uploaded uh, three times. Yes. And I haven't looked in the last 24 hours, but the last time I checked, it was still up. In one format? Yeah, under Raven, the uh, supposed band. But, you know, and here's the thing, right? If you as a YouTuber put up a video and you disable the comments, you know what you're doing. So uh, I have no sympathy for you. I know exactly what you're doing. You knew you knew you were pirating that music. So, yeah. But we are, <coughs> no, we are free and clear. Yeah, because I don't think we're going to get a copyright strike from them. I cannot no. see that happening. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it must take a lot of resources to fight a legal battle over something like that's so innocuous you know for something that's free yeah 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 and it can only mean something to the people who want to use it for free or the creator no exactly like i guess i mean there must be commodity in it or else it wouldn't be a practice so well i think the idea is that i mean under the creative commons that uh, the music is used under i mean he even says it's up there you can use it for commercial purposes if you so choose yeah. And I mean, technically, that's that's what we're doing with it. Uh, it it runs on all of our uh, regular, unbranded episodes. So, I mean, if we ever get the uh, the requisite <laughs> amount of hours in viewership, we may see a, a couple shekels come out of it. But you know, we're still a ways away from that. Mm. Andy, I think you've got something to bring up this week. Uh, I do. Just want to give a shout out to a couple kids who wanted to uh, reach out and cross promote with us. The Folks over at Quick Myths Podcast, Henry, Nico, and Thomas. They're running a good little show there about uh, stories and whatnot from all major religions and, or not, yeah, not was, so much uh, religions, but uh, mythologies. Yeah. 
So like Norse and Greek, Roman, Egyptian. Cool. So, give so yeah, if you guys are into, uh, you know, ancient mythology and, uh, you know, these kids, I'm sure they could uh, they could use the support. So I had to listen to a couple of their episodes. You know what they're doing sounds pretty good. So yeah, go go over there to Quick Myths and uh, give them a listen and hopefully, uh, you know, send some love and support that way. But that's not what we're here for today. Nope. Today we are here for the Bad Batch episode mm-hmm. episode five rampage. Yeah, right off the bat, this one uh, I got to say, uh, if I was trepidatious before, I am on board now. This is my <laughs> this this is my favorite episode of the series yeah. to date. So let's see here. This one, it's uh, as Andy said, it's called Rampage. Debuted Friday, May twenty eighth. 2021 the runtime it's uh oh i think i missed stepped on that one it's 25 minutes that includes the credits this time around this one is written by uh tamara i don't, I don't want to mess up her name i don't know if it's becker or betcher tamara betcher wilkinson there we go. Uh, and if you don't know her she was a writer on both uh, doom patrol and the netflix daredevil series which she also co-produced oh. I I love the Netflix Daredevil. Yeah, series. me too. This one is directed by our uh, old faithful Stuart Lee, and this week I got the synopsis. <laughs> the Bad Batch strike a deal to take on a mission. So before we get going, I just wanted I talked about this when I got home last week, and I I said you know there there was so much plot driving in the last episode. I'm like. You know, what's what do you think the next episode's going to be? And, and my wife automatically went to, oh, it'll be a filler episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, maybe it will be. I don't know. Probably. You know, you got to you got to draw it out. And I suppose to some level, right. uh, there is some of that in here. It does kind of this one does kind of take on sort of mission of the week format. But there is enough. There is enough uh, 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 thread woven in here to keep the the larger narrative moving, and it just to me, oh, yeah. I don't know what to say. Like it, this is my favorite one so far, and I mean, I could, I could probably I've watched it four times now, and I'm probably going to watch it again today because I just I love yeah, it. Hell yeah. There's so much going on here. It gives us an unexpected <clears throat> origin that we Big never time. saw coming and didn't know we needed. Big time. Yeah, so this episode, major, major Return of the Jedi connections, and uh, for better or for worse, uh, there's a major uh, retcon to uh, Legends history. So anybody want to say anything before we get into it? Let's do it. All right. It's so good. The episode opens with the Havoc Marauder in hyperspace. On board the ship, tech can be seen fitting Omega with a wrist-mounted comm device. Omega is excited to have her very own comm link, and tech points out that Technically, it was crosshairs, but uh, he doesn't appear to need it. Omega tries out her new comm link, but is quickly reminded, hey, it's not a toy. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a comedic beat there that it was, I actually laughed. It was when she, like, whispers. Oh, I know. That was actually a really good comedic beat. I, I, I laughed out loud. The couple of times where, like, it's not, as she's like, oh, yeah, what, what, I'm, what's your position? I'm right here. And they just kind of <laughs> look at her, you know, like, hey, it's not a toy. But then she does it again later, right? She's like, it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, the whisper is so good. So they decide that they're going to Ord Mentel. Uh, she asks why they're going when the plan was to lay low. And Hunter explains that uh, with a bounty hunter after her, they need to find out why 
and Ord Mantel is uh, the location of an informant that might be able to help. Do we want to talk about these things that they pop up, or do we want to talk about them all at the end? I'm not sure what you're getting at. So if it's if it's organic to the flow, let her go. Sure, Ord, Ord Mantel. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely okay. uh, the referenced by Han Solo in The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, as the planet where we ran into a bounty hunter there. And uh, that's how we learned that there was a price on his head from Jabba the Hutt. It's an off-screen reference. It's also the site of a huge battle between Darth Maul's Shadow Collective and the uh, the unified, the, the Confederacy of Independent uh, Planets headed by the Mandalorians. Also the site of a crazy Clone War battle. Yeah. So Echo says that the informant's name is uh, Sid and that he was trusted by the Jedi. And Tech retorts the Jedi who were all dead. <laughs> uh, but Echo says mm. that, uh, you know, does anybody have a better option? And uh, yeah, so then Omega uh, through her comm link, it's a good idea. <laughs> or, yeah, he has a point. <laughs> uh, so I actually kind of like this whole scene. Like like you say, like it's a, there's some comedic beats, but it, it speaks a little bit more to, because we don't actually see like what the downtime for these guys and and girl look like, I feel like this was a bit of a snapshot into like daily life on a starship for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like just like what it's like to you know, like it's my turn for the bathroom. You know, like hey, that's my seat kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. Wrecker, you know, seeing Wrecker continually using Gonky as his own personal gym. You know, like, it's just, oh, okay, so that's just life aboard their ship. Apparently, and I, I think it's pretty right. cute. Apparently, Gonk is yeah. a universal gym. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he hides well in plain sight. Yes. Totally, yeah. <laughs> so arriving at Ord Mantel, the Havoc Marauder settles into a recessed docking bay. The uh, planet's surface appears uh, circular, and the city's architecture is kind of reminiscent of uh, Cloud City on, uh, on Bespin. And uh, that's kind of a, a, a sort of a more uh, higher up shot. But uh, as they close in, sort of the domed, uh, that domed architecture is really reminiscent of the, uh, the domes that we see on Bespin. As the clones make their way through the streets of the unnamed city, Hunter and Omega discuss the rules. Don't wander off. Keep my eyes and ears on my surroundings and trust no one but my squad. And if she gets into trouble, she's to use her comlink and report her location. You know, it's funny when this stuff happens because it makes me go, we must be we must be in tune with where the writers want to go. Because we talked about this last week, that Omega doesn't even know what the rules are. When Fennec Shan talked about, you know, sometimes it's okay to break them. That's right. So isn't it just, I find the irony that, oh, this week he is actually telling her, you know, these are the rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the very fatherly thing to do, though. Totally, totally. The streets are dirty and poorly lit. There's graffiti everywhere, and the Bad Batch find the building where Sid is supposed to be. It's an underground casino, as indicated by the neon sign, adorned with a pair of chance cubes. Descending the staircase and entering the casino, the Bad Batch take in their surroundings. Across the room, a human and an Athorian argue over a game that they're playing, the human having been accused of cheating, while in a corner near the bar... A reptilian woman appears to be working on a gaming machine. Mm-hmm. I got the Orabesh for that gaming machine, too. Uh, I think yeah, we all too. did. Yeah, the gaming machines. I really like the look of the, uh, you know, the descriptive audio called it a bar. But, like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah. no, that, that's yeah, a, casino. a casino. That's just yeah. like a like an underground, the, uh, literally the underground credit. casino. She's working on a credit pusher. Yeah, I'll be your credit pusher. 
Nice. <laughs> the woman, she's a uh, she's a Trandoshan. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was really cool because uh, you know our our clearly our most famous depiction of a Trandoshan is uh, Bosk the bounty hunter, who we also spoke in depth about last week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, I I was a, like a little off put that she didn't have the hissy boss like it's, I'm sad. And then uh, Lauren was like, "What about Zero the Hut? Zero the Hut's a Southern Belle." And I was like, oh, "Okay, you're right. There's a precedent. Yeah, for yeah, absolutely. Just sounding like whatever the heck you want, so it's perfect actually. So I'm okay. <laughs> At first, I was like, "Oh, okay, it's a Trandoshan. I I got that right away." But I'm like, right, "Wait a right. minute, she's like." That's the shortest Trandoshan I've ever seen. You know, like they're mm-hmm. they're generally you know depicted even in the Mandalorian when when Manda was fighting them in the in the valley there they were like equally his stature if not taller. Right. The um, um, the only female Trandoshan I can recall specifically is from the uh, Squadrons game, right? That's a female. Yeah, that's Trandoshan right. Yeah, game. and she right. and yeah. she has that reptilian kind of hiss to her yeah, voice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And she's you know bigger than you. And, you know, so <laughs> yeah, it's right. The voice coming out of that woman was instantly recognizable. I don't know about you guys, but uh, yeah, you know, real Perlman herself, Mrs. Danny so DeVito. Good. That's amazing. So that says something to me about this character already. I mean, you've you've chosen uh, a, a I don't want to call her a senior, but a veteran actor who is aged. And that speaks to me about the actual character that, you know, I think that we're to believe that. The, this character is an older person been around a while and yeah yeah shit. yeah i totally mm-hmm. actually i really dug the idea that you know this is an older person our timing's perfect too. yeah yeah so i want to talk a little bit more about trend oceans here because it's going to come up a little bit later and i don't know if it extends i guess it does extend to the new canon because back in the clone wars we had that episode with ahsoka where she had to rescue those kids from the, that's right uh, the trend Ocean the hunt. hunting party yeah so Trandoshans are uh, essentially the mortal enemies of uh, Wookiees. <laughs> Their culture really kind of uh, is formed around this idea of like the the hunting thing is sort of a, a rite of passage into adulthood. And so essentially everybody kind of takes part in it, right? But yeah, so Wookiees and Trandoshans, they do not get along. That's right. Hunter asks uh, which one is Sid, and Echo replies, well, I don't know, I've never met him. And in classic form, my boy Tech, he blurts out, well, that would have been information to share earlier. <laughs> Hunter approaches the reptilian woman at the gaming machine and says they're looking for Sid. And she replies that she's never heard of him. Looking towards the gamblers who are now uh, fist fighting each other, <laughs> um, yeah, she, he says, what about them? Uh, poking Hunter in the chest with a wrench, the reptilian woman uh, says, wasn't I clear? You're in the wrong place. So unless you're here to spend money, get lost. And then we talked about, uh, yeah, the Orabesh on the machine, the uh, the credit pusher machine. There's like at least two of them there. Yeah, yeah. I presume they're just, you know, some Star Wars equivalent to a slot machine or something. Yeah, the one-armed bandit, for sure. Very much so. That or they looked like the, uh, you know, the uh, pedestals that the contestants stand behind at the uh, at the end of The Price is Right. <laughs> yes. Nice. 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 <laughs> Had a similar look. 21000 Yeah. $1, Bob. <laughs> Wrecker chastises Echo for the efficacy of his plan, but Echo is certain that this is Sid's place. 
Tech then suggests that uh, perhaps Sid had heard what happened to the Jedi and fled, or he was arrested for violating countless health code regulations as the the bar slash casino is, is pretty grungy. I've seen better days. While the clones are talking amongst themselves, Omega approaches the reptilian woman at the uh, at the bar. The woman asks, what's your deal, Tiny? And Omega blurts out, you're Sid. <laughs> Sid replies, hey, you're sharper than your friends. And at the same time, Hunter asks Echo if the Jedi had any other contacts, to which he replies, they had lots, but this was the only one I knew how to find. Wrecker exclaims, so we came all this way for nothing. But the conversation is interrupted by the chime of a comlink. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so there's omega essentially reveals that uh this woman is in fact sid i found sid it's awesome actually. great little moment though at the bar we get we get another uh classic trilogy throwback here to the drink dispensers behind the bar yeah i'm sure everybody remembers this yep yeah I caught the, those. Uh, the ig assassin droid heads are actually or sorry yeah an ig assassin droid head is actually a beverage dispenser <laughs> that's right <laughs> Yeah, so next time your assassin droid is talking to you, you can tell it to put a plug in it. <laughs> yeah, or give you a milkshake. A blue milkshake. Yeah. Sid and the uh, the Batch retire to her office behind the bar. She says that uh, she had a good thing going with the Jedi, and they valued her insight. But now that they're all dead, the demand for her services has declined. And Hunter reflects that times have changed for everyone. Sid's office features a hollow table at the center, and her desk is at the far end, and there is no denying that this room resembles the combination of a military operations center, a library, and a den. But regardless of all of that, it is a veritable treasure trove of oh hunting trophies. Uh, oh my god. We got quite a few things in here. I'm, I'll go through the ones that I picked out. We get, uh, what do we got? First one I saw right away was this uh, clone pilot helmet. Sitting up yep. on uh, the shelf, we had a uh, had a phase three clone trooper helmet sitting there as well. Yeah, painted and like a five old first too. Was it in blue? Cheek. It I, had a blue cheek, I and I thought that, that the um, the uh, the clone pilot helmet. When I zoomed in on that, it looked a lot like Oddball's paint job, man. In <laughs> like the yellow, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't yeah. want to peg specific people. I just no, thought maybe it was not. too generic. I, I, there was a huge blue stroke right on the cheek of the of the, yeah. the phase three clone trooper helmet. I'm sure that was a 501st helmet. If you uh, if you were paying attention, just inside the door on the left hand side of the door, you might have saw this bad boy. Yeah, the white uh, like the prototype. Yeah, it even had the visor, the the pop up visor, um, the rangefinder. Yeah, rangefinder. So a Mandalorian helmet. A few other things going on here in this room too. Uh, there's a. <laughs> There's a piece of horn on the desk, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, "Horned creatures." I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. get a I didn't get a great shot of the actual horn, but judging by the color, like at first I thought maybe it's a wampa, but I mean the wampa horns are pretty black, and this one's more of a brown. So then I went to, is it maybe a tauntaun? I mean, it's got the same texture, the curvature's kind of in the right, you know, vein. Yeah. It what kind be. of though? I see. I thought that, and then my thought process literally was like, "What kind of a trophy to have in the center of your desk?" I don't know. How hard is it to kill a tauntaun? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, does your mind go where mine goes next? Then, not really. Mudhorn. No. Mudhorn. Mudhorn. So that's what Andy said too. So you know what? I didn't really look at the mudhorn, but maybe I should look at it again. 
I just thought, mm. you know, that that adult mud horn in the Mandalorian, I mean, that horn, the the main one, it was massive. Who knows? And I think that's just the tip of it. Maybe. That yeah. you know what, you could be right. And I, I guess that's just me taking everything sort of at a literal It would present a good challenge for a hunter. It yeah. would be a serious, like a trope, like a center of your desk trophy would be a, the tip of a mud horn. Also, the back of her chair. Well, her, it could be it could be Wookie, it could be Bantha, but it might be mud horn. It's certainly it's yeah, like it fills yeah. the whole back like it's, a lion's mane. It's big, and that's another thing. Going back to legends, and uh, in legends, Trandoshans are known uh, to wear the skins of their kills. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't help but think that it's a uh, it's Wookie fur. That's kind of <laughs> that's where my mind went with it. Anyway, I have that jacket. <laughs> yeah, um, like here. Omega in this uh, scene walks over, and and the camera lingered on it way too long for me to write it off as just a trophy. But there's this axe-like weapon laying there, and and I mean, Echo even kind of pulls her away from it. And I mean, I must have stared yeah. at that thing for I don't know how long. With its, it had like three spikes on it, and they were kind of funny looking uh, triangular etching on it and it was a it looked like a mix of like there was metal and wood and and other materials in it i just couldn't i couldn't identify it like it didn't no. it didn't reach out for uh, to me so i have a theory on that that if it's not a trophy that you know now that we've established that sid is an older character right. i kind of think maybe it was you know her personal weapon from her days as a hunter you know, if you look I mean, at that's very possible. I looked at sort of the the mottling of her skin tones, like the browns and the greens, and thought, you know, you can kind of maybe I'm just reaching at straws here, but the the different the the pattern in the blades kind of reminded me of that. So, cool. if anybody very out there cool. watching or listening to the show knows the the weapon that we're talking about, please let us know because I'm super super curious to know if there's a deeper cut here that we've missed. Sid goes on, uh, no kidding. I've never had clone deserters come to me before. Uh, Tech tries to explain that their desertion uh, was a difference of ideology, but Sid quips back, that's cute, you think and I care. Cut to it and tell me what you want. So clearly she's, uh, she's not one to mince words here, at least not at this point. <laughs> so Time Echo, money. yeah, exactly. Echo uh, steps up to the hollow table and uses his uh, scomp link to uh, activate a hologram of uh activates a hologram of uh, this woman who we know to be uh, Fennec Shand and they ask uh if Sid knows her she replies uh, no but she does know a bounty hunter when she sees one and they ask if they can find if she can find out who hired her and Sid replies well it depends on what they do for her mm-hmm. and when the clones and they do they like there's like literally like pin drop ping as they just stop and stare mm-hmm. um and Her she, line is great. When I you know. Fresh, out, you of fresh out of the tube. You pull, <laughs> it's so good. That's you a pull great a job, line. Yeah. You pull a job for me and I get the information you want. That's how this mercenary thing works. Which is kind of funny because like there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance in this episode. And so Echo goes right into like he he comes back mercenary like it's a question like he's just been punched in the face. Right, right, right. You know, like he's <laughs> Sid remarks, "Not too quick, are you? Clearly, the kid is the the opera, uh, the brains of your operation." They referenced that so much that I was expecting the legacy line. She's the brains, sweetheart. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
We might get that still. There's this thing with Echo in this episode. It happens a couple of times. This time, like the mercenary thing, it's like, oh, you know, like it really brings into question what separates a soldier from a mercenary. Like what's the, what's the mm-hmm. difference, right? The The whole idea of morality and making choices and now they don't have the the safety net of a government telling them what's right and what's wrong. That's they right. they have this sort of they're at their own again they're at their own devices to sort of make these choices and it and it really makes for interesting storytelling. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, this she hires them to straight up do a bounty, like they yeah. become yeah yeah what they're they're fleeing. Yeah, it's kind of cool. There's a little. Uh, you know, blink and you'll miss it moment when she says about uh, Omega being the brains of the operation where Wrecker turns and looks back at her and he puts his hand out and they get the low five, right? Like, give me some skin. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So they're starting to bond. It really leans into that big brother, little sister thing we talked about. Yeah, so um, Hunter sighs and he asks what kind of job. Sid tells, uh, tells him that it's a rescue there's a nice bounty on a kid named Moochie. That Moochie was taken by Zygerian slavers and are holed up on the other side of the planet. Sid says, uh, bring me the kid and I'll get you your intel. And she also says that she'll split the bounty with them 70-30 in her favor. Wrecker laughs mm-hmm. at the job saying, we could do it in our sleep. And turns to leave just as Sid tosses Hunter a uh, data chip with the details of the bounty. As the Bad Batch depart. Uh, the office Sid says don't screw it up must be a uh, lacking chip though because not all the info is on there no I mean uh, early version of the puck maybe there's some yeah so I actually wondered what if he was throwing her a puck because I'm like what what is it but yeah there it is and it's a it's like a a a data chip I guess yeah which that just makes sense to me stick it in your data (laughs) a full-size one at that yeah Yeah, yeah, with a little notch on the side I wonder if there's a I wonder if the uh, if the art department, uh, you know, you know, put in like just use that model, put in like Sandisk in there or something. You just can't see it. <laughs> Change it to Orabesh. Yeah, exactly. Switch to an exterior shot of the Havoc Marauder streaking through the sky across Ord Mantel. Oh, so speaking of Ord Mantel, uh, <laughs> another one. How much did time did we spend last week on Ord planets? Yeah, totally. So just for the record, I did not spot any Lothcats in the, in this episode, so I think my theory's blown. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. We get to uh, an interior shot of the ship where Wrecker is wincing in pain. Hunter asks if he's all right, and he dismisses it as, oh, not nothing. And then he gets up and walks away, clutching the right side of his head. But once again, the show is doing a fantastic job at reminding us that there Don't is there is something here. like definitely wrong here. The little tug on that bobber once an episode. I know, yeah. Like, is the is the pressure cooker about to blow? Like, we were and so so nervous. Set, like they're playing it like a like a head injury as he gets successive fights. He's you yeah. know like yeah, no, it's cool. Sitting at a computer console, Tech analyzes uh, Sid's intel and says that the slave traders are camped out in the ruins of old Ord Mantel City. Omega asks, what is a slaver? And Tech says, it's someone who buys and sells people for credits. Omega, not really understanding, asks, people can be sold? And Echo interjects, they don't have a choice. They're captives treated like property. Omega says Mm. that it doesn't sound right. And Echo agrees, adding that they're going to stop it from happening to the kid. While Tech, in his 
tech obviousness uh, ads and make a decent amount of credits as well. The tone. Would she uh, be privy to the sort of the way that the 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 cloners make well, money? Okay, so that's a major point for me uh, on this one. Is like we spent a lot of time talking about clones as property, and how you know everybody else in the galaxy but them seems to think right. of them as property, uh, but the right. clones don't. No. So it's this. this what a but, contrast. Like she would so almost. She would almost overstand that because she's like behind the curtain with Nala yeah. Say and yeah, yeah. like even privy to stuff that the just a grunt wouldn't be. And so I would think that she would find that just like, oh, uh, money for product is empirical. Like that she might, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time she has being a, young, right? No, no that's true. could have just yeah. like leaned right into it like, oh you know, we're making these clones to help the rebellion. Or no the, and uh, that the I mean and Nala Say might even believe that herself so i kind of wonder like andy said you know as a child has she been sheltered or protected from that end of it like i would kind of kept in the dark i guess Mm. so at this point the tone of echo's voice lowers and he replies yeah that too uh and then watching her trooper doll omega stares at it exclaiming don't worry moochie we'll rescue you this is interesting because just sort of on the the heels of the clones as property thing and and the nuance that we just talked about, there's a lot going on for Echo in this one. And and for me, I can't help but think like of any of them. Of course, he doesn't care about the credits. He is so focused on this whole thing of slavery and it's a child and a child is innocent and to be protected and we're not going to yeah. let that happen. And I mean, right. if if anybody has a, a perspective on slavery, you can't tell me that it's not him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. being hooked up to a separatist computer and being mined for military strategies, like that's not something that goes away overnight. I mean, we're no, we're you know by the end of that four episode arc at the end of Clone Wars, he's gone off with the Bad Batch, and up until now, he's been a fully functioning well-adjusted member of the team, but you can't tell me that this conversation is not, you know, the that, demons aren't coming up for him. The trauma no, is coming back. Yeah, like, again, like, trauma is cumulative, and that shit doesn't go away. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't. So the Havoc Marauder lands on a ridge just outside and high above old Ord Mantel City. Hunkering down at the edge of an outcropping, the batch surveyed the city through macro macro binoculars. The city center is marked by a large fountain, and there's a large transport ship parked a short distance away. Speeders can be seen flitting down the streets, and chained to the fountain, uh, the clones spot the slaves. A human male, uh, a phalene male, and a young phalene child. If you're not familiar with the Falene, you remember these guys? They're uh, kind of again reptilian creatures, made fame made famous in uh, Star Wars Legends in um, Shadows of the Empire. Shadows uh, of the Empire. Yeah, Prince Prince Shizor, who was the uh, head of the Black Sun organization and uh, rival for uh, the Emperor's affections. So yeah, canonized by the Clone Wars. Yes. So, Moj. Yeah, exactly. And uh yeah, also in Clone Wars, still the uh the heads of the, the Black Sun crime syndicate. So this for me uh is super um just the scene of this this episode. Like we're so far into the outer room 
rim underworld, like that yep. kind of world. Yeah, like oh, yeah. we're seeing more aliens than humans for the first sort of time in Star Wars. Like where we're, I mean, there's there's scenes that were like just the cantina and stuff, but yep. we're you know we're just encounter everybody you're encountering is now you know there's one human in that bar. And That's right. Two aliens, and now there's all yeah, aliens, yeah, yeah. and just yeah. the, and the, I mean they're cloned humans but there's you know so we're getting deeper and deeper into that the fact that the zygerians are uh you know capturing like you know other crime syndicate family beings or members it's it's kind of yeah like it's a free-for-all this whole right 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 and it's like absolute chaos yeah and we know through stories that are already told that the rise of the empire tracks with the rise of the the like the criminal empire absolutely like they 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 are coming into their like the the republic kept them in check before and now yep, it's unchecked yep. and the empire is utilizing that to just like where the republic might have been it. a little bit more inclined to intervene on criminal activity the empire is sort of willing to turn to turn a blind eye as long as it right. doesn't disrupt them directly yeah or if it benefits them absolutely yeah. yeah yeah even yeah even use it of yeah. course Tech says that he counts uh, two dozen hostiles and says there are multiple points of entry uh, with minor fortifications. Wrecker declares the task at hand easy enough, and he compares it to a previous smash and grab on the planet of Kuat. Omega explains that she's in, but Hunter orders her back to the ship. Kuat, a super important planet in uh, Star Wars lore as as an orbital uh, shipbuilding facility, the Kuat Drive Yards. And I mean, if you've never seen this thing before, like give you a real idea, like the if you were a a uh, piloting a starship across the galaxy and you came across this, you'd think that there were rings around this planet until you got up close and you saw that it's actually, uh, you know, superstructure and the entire thing is a ship writing facility. Mm. Major, major missions there in Battlefield, too. Yeah. Uh, so Kuat obviously is the home of the Kuat drive yards, as we just showed uh, the viewers. And the, this manufacturing firm was responsible for things like the Acclimator class assault ship. So that was the the first first incarnation of the that triangular ship design we saw in the Clone Wars. Also responsible for the uh, LAAT gunships, the ATTE walkers, and the later Venator class star destroyers. And eventually, they will go on to be the manufacturer of the ISD, the Imperial Star Destroyer. That's right. The Batch make their way uh, into town using rubble as cover. Uh, In a small clearing, Hunter orders Echo up the ruins of an old building to provide overwatch. He then tells Wrecker to uh, draw out the Zygerian slavers while he and Tech recover the child. Echo reaches the top of the building just as a reptilian creature darts across the face of the building unseen by the clone. Meanwhile, Hunter, Tech, and Wrecker advance toward the city center. Hunter calls out to Echo for a sit rep, and he reports that there are two roving patrols on speeders, and the first guard checkpoint is dead ahead. No sooner does he give his sit rep than the reptilian creature darts past again, but Echo hears it this time and draws his blaster and reports, Hang on, I think I've got company. Mm -hmm. And just as soon as Hunter tells him to take care of it quietly, the lizard-like creature charges knocking Echo from the building. Seeing Echo fall, the clones turn to assess the situation. The lizard-like creature, now gliding like a flying squirrel on outstretched folds of skin, swoops down, forcing the team to take cover. 
At the same time, a squad of Zagirian slavers ambush the squad and subdues them with an electro-net-like weapon. So let's uh, talk about... Uh, there we go. Talk about Zygerians for, for a second. So Zygerians uh, introduced way, way back, uh, 1987, in fact. You got it there? Do you get a copy there? I think I have a copy somewhere. All right. So back in uh, the West End Games. Uh, uh, it's still sealed. <laughs> yeah. So in the Star Wars source book from West End Games back in 87, the Zygerians were introduced. Uh, but back then, they were depicted as resembling humans with pointed ears and long red hair with bony spurs on their foreheads and chins. So fast mm-hmm. fast forward to uh, the Clone Wars, because there's no other visual depiction of these creatures until then. And uh, Dave Filoni <laughs> is on the record as saying that uh, yeah, yeah. he thought, uh, to, on the nose, he thought that that depiction of them was too Star Trek. You know, just ridges and 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 ear points. So they got a total yeah. redesign for the Clone Wars. So Zygerians are actually, uh, what's the word? Anthropomorphized coyotes. Yeah, coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, oh yeah. And so now we move on to the. Uh, oh yeah. So the uh, during the Old Republic, Zygerians had amassed an empire uh, that provided a slave empire that provided slave labor to the galaxy. Uh, but when slavery was outlawed, their empire crumbled. And they were pushed into the underworld. Sucks to be them. At the time of the Clone Wars, the Zygerians sided with uh, Dooku and the Separatists, uh, hoping to rebuild their slave empire. But uh, we all know how that went. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, so these lizard creatures, the the thing with the... Uh, Brizak. Yeah, the, the Brizak. And uh, the, it's a lizard-like creature uh, described as a carnivorous reptavian Combination mm-hmm. reptile, avian, reptavian, native to Zygeria. Um, and I don't know about you guys. I mean, did you? <laughs> this is another case that we talked about. Does the show like to reuse assets and animation models? I think on some level they do. But uh, to me, the Brezak, I think, is a gentle retooling of uh, the Zillow Beast. Oh, possibly. Put a, uh, put a beard on that thing and uh, throw some some uh, folds of skin, some wings on it. And I think that's kind of where, where it may have evolved from, but that's just me. Yeah. So Brezak, uh, the lizard like creature, the Brezak, it's easily is, uh, the same size, if not bigger than the, uh, Varactyl that Obi-Wan rode in attack of the clones. So, I mean, you notice in the, uh, closed captioning, if you watch, it's not capitalized, which is the, the Filoni convention for higher intelligence creatures are always oh, cap. Wookies yeah, would be yeah, capitalized. Yeah, yeah. Tuscan Raiders would be capitalized. Creatures you know, are a, not. A Brizak or a, oh, a, right, a right, right. Tauntaun is always lowercase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally makes sense. Back at the casino, Sid takes a hollow transmission from an unseen humanoid. And if you're an astute uh, listener, there is no way you you cannot mistake this for anything other than Hatties. Mm-hmm. The, figure, the figure demands... Uh, and this is a translation. My employer is impatient. What's the delay? And Sid replies that a mission of this nature requires planning, and you can ins- uh, assure your employer he'll be reunited with Moochie soon. The camera- Shout out to the descriptive audio oh for translating God. all the hoodies yeah. in this because yeah, yeah. there is no other translation source for that. That's fantastic. The uh, camera focuses on the mouth of the unseen speaker, and we can see the familiar sight of a leku headtail 
hanging behind the person's shoulder. He mutters something sinister sounding, and Sid responds by saying that there's no need for threats because she has her best people on it. I have my best people on it. So, if you were, I don't know if you guys picked this up, but uh, did you recognize the voice behind that uh, character? Yeah, it's uh, our buddy Matthew Wood. There he is right there, which pretty much, I mean, if you weren't, I love how the camera is uh, deceptive, the camera work is deceptive enough to like, you know, you you think, oh, I know who this is, but you have that air of like, maybe it's not because you don't actually see his whole face. Right, right, But right. knowing, you know, the history of, of uh, Matthew Wood, we can all but confirm that it is Bib Fortuna, Wait. who uh, Matt Wood played uh, back in The Phantom Menace at Mos Espa at the pod race and then uh, mm-hmm. reprised the role in uh, The Mandalorian only to uh, get blasted. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the I love the uh, sort of the jaunty timeline nature of Star Wars. So oh, I do. Yeah, can exist still and be yeah. dead. And, yeah, yeah, and still learn more about them. It's I love it. I love it. Good, good translation too between the uh, the animation model and the uh, the live action uh, character. Mm-hmm. So I just want to talk about uh, Sid here for a second, and like you know how she's got. Um, like she just told the clones, like, there's no use for my services anymore because the Republic is gone. I get the impression from from the way that she talks that she may have been a somebody at some point, but whatever, you know, stature she had, I think she's been knocked down a few pegs. And that's why, mm-hmm. never mind that she's an older, uh, an older woman who's now moved on to a different stage in her life. But, like, how did you end up running a casino? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably a front for what she's actually doing, which is low-level bounty. Is it though? You know, slinging she, when she's like, because I, I say she clearly knows her way around the the, the bluff and the fast talking. I got my best people on it. And I'm sure, thinking, but why does Jabba have Bib approach her you, to secure a rancor? Well, instead of anybody else in his employ ostensibly well let's go back i mean the first for the uh the the feature length pilot of the clone wars has you know the huts contacting the jedi directly find my son what right. a contrast yeah yeah exactly so i mean it does fit it it works really well i just think that Maybe it's me too, like, and I and I think again, there's always like shades of like the truth in everything we say, and I think it's up for the the viewers to sort of make up their own minds about it. I'm of the opinion that whatever stature she had, she doesn't have it anymore. She talks mm. about having her best people on it. I don't think she has people. She just no. had she just had an elite clone squad fall into her lap, and she's taking advantage of it. So sure. maybe she's kind of dipped I into mean, my my old, you know, her old underworld contacts to try and get back in the game and this is her way to get back into it well certainly she was approached before the you know it would it would have been different if she'd contacted bib and said hey i got a you know yeah i got a deal for you but the deal was already in motion she just had to find the players yeah i guess so so ostensibly like running that casino or bar as a front for minor i'm talking i'm talking minor level yeah yeah you know, go steal a beast for Jabba's kid or yep, whatever. Yep. Like that's, you know, that's not, that's uh, go pick me up a dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's exactly. not like go kill, you know, Omega, like hiring Fennec Shand right. or Boba Fett to do a, a Han Solo. No, so, right. I, I, I think it's, I think she's like a low level grief carga. 
like like that's, really low level Reeve Carter. I got the same vibes, you know. I'm like, well, he was a former magistrate, so I mean, he was kind of semi legit to begin with, which was that's a great front to be an underworld boss. You right. know, like no, no, I'm the I'm the legitimate mayor of this town, <laughs> right? But yeah, I I agree with you. It's very similar vibes. Right. Definitely a character like you could see an Obi-Wan approaching for information yep. when he needs it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I can see that. And now that they don't need that information, like with the Empire taken over, everything's gone. Well, there's a, there's a whole other nuance there at the end of the episode, and, I, and I'm going to come back to it because like she, talk about the nuance and the fast talk and the bluff. She's very crafty, and uh, when we get to the end of, uh, the end of the episode, I'm going to lay out some more kind of theories I have about how that's going Mm. to come into play later. This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorSplatoon.ca. CollectorSplatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collector's Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorSplatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorSplatoon.ca today. Back on board the Havoc Marauder, Omega makes some alterations to her uh, her little trooper doll. And uh, there's a nice little trooper doll. Very similar, in fact. Uh, mm-hmm. She's recolored it. She's taken, I don't know if it's makeup or or it looks like a powder. I don't know. Like It, a, it almost like, looks like a makeup compact that she's dipping into. Or a shoe polish or something. Yeah. And she's like, she's made some alterations to her trooper doll. She's recolored it to match the clones of her new squad. And she exclaims to Gonky... Because I guess that's what we're calling the gonk droid now, is gonk. Mm-hmm. Now she's a bad batcher. Nice. I just want to touch on this, and I know that this has been a bone of contention for many, you know, a bunch of the fans. You know, the, the uh, what's the, t- the, star, the, the Star Wars term is what? The, the fandom menace. But mm-hmm. I absolutely love that she immediately identifies that doll as female. No, perfect. Do you know what I mean? Like, here's perfect. A, here is someone who, to our knowledge, she's the only female clone in the galaxy. She's been surrounded by clone troopers, th- tens of thousands of clone troopers her entire life. I find it to be super inspiring that you know, g- having grown up that way, that she instantly, you know, nope, it's a it's a girl in this sort no, of male, male dominated. Yeah, it's perfect. It's it's really natural. It's nice to see that that's yeah. normal because like even uh, Lauren talks about, you know, it, wanting to be Indiana Jones, but, yeah. but, you know, having to like do some sort of weird morphing in her head, like, right. you, know, you know, where we didn't, you know, there's no level of disconnect there. We can nope. put on a fedora and pretend to be that, you know, so it's nice that that, that can be, just normalized to just instinctual yeah, to, to, and yeah, one hundred. We see that later on. I mean, uh, the uh, the new stuff has really uh, it's gone to great lengths to, to prove and to show us that underneath the helmet can be anybody. We've heard we've heard female stormtroopers uh, in the in the sequel trilogy. You know, uh, talking oh, to yeah. uh, to Finn um, and telling uh, you know, but they're the idea yeah, that underneath, Phasma. yeah, Phasma. The idea that under the helmet it could be anybody, and then I think you know on some level. Omega sees herself in that like that's that's her she's future. she's that's where she's, she's projecting herself onto that doll and I love it yeah well one, yeah one thing to point out though like in the first episodes her color scheme matched Nalise right yep but now like when she's getting the comlink on and she's walking down the stairs with them just to go scout oh yeah 
the color touches are there. Now she's fully bad batch. I agree with that. Right. So with in her, Nella mind, Say and her Amy. were a, a clean version of what the bad batch had going on. They were like yeah. the white, black, and red, and they the bad batch were the like sort of dirty gray, black, yep. and red. Yep. And now she's transitioned to that. Yeah. I I love it. And so I, <laughs> we never brought this up, but I actually thought as she integrates with them, are they going to build out a suit of armor for her? Makes sense. In this episode, she gets a comlink, a wrist-mounted yeah. comlink, and mm-hmm. she gets a weapon in this episode. And I'm like, she's totally. well on the way. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, too. Well, and that's probably the, that scene with the doll is indicating that she's... That's she what wants, I mean, yeah. She wants to put some armor on and get it going, yeah. I want to just divert for a second and talk about Omega because... Over the last week, <laughs> so one of our fans uh, who lives here uh, locally was talking to me about about the show, and and uh, you know that <laughs> you know what it's like when you when you play Dungeons and Dragons, and you've been playing it for like twenty five years, so you think you know <laughs> you think you know everything about it, and then you right. you witness somebody play it for the first time, and they do something that you never saw coming because it comes from that place of like, they just don't know. They right. don't. So the thing that they do is so creative and so amazing that you're like, like slack jawed, like what? Cause you never <laughs> thought of it thinking you're so smart knowing everything. Right, right, right. So my, my buddy says to me talking about the bad batch about how the five clones are all genetic defects and he just blurts out. So her genetic defect is she's female. Hmm. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? The defect is she's female. To 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 them, that would be a huge defect. Like you can't put that in the field. We talked about it. Is she is she the product of Django Fett's genetic material? And if she is, why isn't she male? We just assume mm. we just assume they engineered her to be female. But yeah. what if that's the defect? That's true. You but, know what I mean? Like No, no, it makes it makes good sense. They do reference the fact that there were more yep. uh, of these. I just, I guess what we really don't know is if this is on purpose. Like the, the, the genetic tampering was on purpose to create these aberrant clones yep. with intention, or if yep. this is just like we've, because we have control of it, we'll just scoop up all the ones that have aberrations. Sure, sure. And, and then these are the five that live because... Now let's say does reference no these are the only ones that survive. Yeah, meaning yeah. there there was more. So right, but it could be a says... natural could be a natural defect. I mean, we see um, you know uh, in in actual populations on Earth and animals and things like when yeah. you know low uh, you know when when things I, are in. <laughs> I immediately <laughs> thought uh, of the jeopardy uh, the frog DNA in Jurassic Park. Right. Right, exactly. The exactly. Spon- yeah. spontaneously flipping uh, genders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it though, like they're not unintentional because Nalase does say, you know, we've got this side project going, so these are part of that. Yeah, and right? she does so want to. She she's intentionally trying. The next phase is yeah. based on this. So, right. Yeah. So this it's is just pretty like cool theory though, just like and especially for a neophyte to just. That's what I mean. And it yeah. was as it just kind of punched me in the face. I'm like, I thought we had this locked. And then suddenly he's like, well, her genetic defect is she's a girl. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's totally like deer in the headlights. Like, I never even considered that. <laughs> <laughs> so just as she asked Gonky about her, her doll, you know, what do you think? 
Uh, we hear voices from outside the ship exclaiming, We found their ship. Omega tells Gonky to hide. And Gonky kind of kind of stumbles in place for a second and then pulls his legs up inside of him and shuts himself down, which I thought was pretty clever. Looking like the Rubbermaid garbage cans that he's made out of. <laughs> uh, so Omega actually uh, hides out on the uh, gunnery seat in her bedroom while the Zygerians continue to search the ship. When one of the scouts inspects her room, Omega is nowhere to be found. Turns out there's a trap door at the bottom of the rear gunnery station, and Omega has cleverly dropped through it, and she's run off to hide behind a large boulder. Um, that's my only complaint this week, is that seemed a little bit plot armor-ish. That there just mm, happened to be... You want that to fly open in space. That there just happened to be a hatch there that she could just, whoop, uh-oh. <laughs> at the same time, and World War II uh, bomber belly guns, you could only get out through the fuselage of the plane. There was no direct... Exit to the to the outdoors. So plot armor for me, but hey, it's a minor point. I can live with it. We get a wipe shot to the fountain at the center of the city where we see Wrecker, who's manipulating his shock collar, and he says to Hunter, it's getting looser. But just as he says that, a guard uh, who's watching him proceeds to shock him. Got a real... uh, Ferengi vibe with these guys with the, uh, the you know how they were originally depicted as kind of brutish with their these electro yeah. whips I'm like oh it's the Ferengi <laughs> nice echo defiant but not really yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. even with the big ears too I'm like oh no <laughs> <laughs> echo defiantly says to the guard do that one more time and you'll be but is cut off as the guard activates his shock collar Tech suggests that uh, they save their energy because they're going to need it. That's right. The roar of the Brezak can be heard from overhead, and as the clones turn to see it swooping overhead, the creature lands on the ruins of a tall tower where it proceeds to climb to the top. Hunter, following its movements, makes eye contact with their leader, Rainy. Uh, The Zygerian leader steps out of the shadows at the top of the tower. The beast roars again, and the young girl, chained to the fountain, whimpers in fear. Wrecker tries to reassure her, saying, Relax, Moochie, we're the cavalry. Nice. Hunter asks Tech, and this, I love this, what are the odds we make it out of this? <laughs> <laughs> he replies that he's not sure. Wrecker remarks, So much for being smart. And Tech yeah. replies, This isn't a standard military operation, and seeing as how we've never been tasked with rescuing a child from slave traders before, there is no data to compare it to. Total uh, Han Solo vibe, you know, never tell me the yeah. odds, and here's Hunter. What it's are the, the odds? inversion of it. <laughs> yeah, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it's, the, it's the inverse of it, totally, yeah. Hunter says they need to contact Omega, but Echo reminds him that their communications equipment and weapons have been removed. But it turns out that they won't need them anyway because Omega has made her way into the city center and Tech spots her on the roof of a nearby building. He gestures to Hunter, who turns his attention to the rooftop, where Omega points at a bunch of cables leading down to another building, suggesting that she could get closer to them. Hunter shakes his head no, and Omega pulls back from the edge of the building, just as Rainy exits his tower at street level. Right. Rainy begins to gloat about his four new slaves, noting how they are strong and should fetch a good price. Echo shouts at him, The Republic outlawed slavery. There's Echo again with his uh, demons coming up. But Rainy hisses back, we are not in the Republic anymore, Skug. 
At the same time, Omega has now crawled across the cables to the other building. Echo, spotting her in her new position, says to Rainy, uh, You're lucky we don't have our gear. Things would go very differently for you. <laughs> it's an exaggerated tone for Omega's sake that sh- so she can take the hint to get to their equipment. Omega quickly spots the gear and drops down to a lower ledge, but as she makes her way down, she accidentally kicks a rock, and the noise is enough to attract the guard's attention. As the dust settles, the guards move toward the building. Wrecker, not wanting her to be found, kicks a large rock into one of the guards, knocking him down. The rest of the guards turn back toward the clones, and one of them lashes Wrecker with his Electra whip. Rainey suggests he could do with one less slave, and threatens to feed Wrecker to his pet. The camera then turns to the Brezak atop the tower, and it lets out a shriek. In a bit of uh, exposition dialogue, Rainey goes on about how the rest of them will be part of a new beginning. With the Republic gone, they can return to the planet Kadavo and rebuild the Zagirian slave empire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A little bit about uh, Kadavo. We saw Kadavo. That was uh, back in the Clone Wars when the Zagirians were introduced. That's where uh, that that uh, story arc took place. Season four, episode eleven. Kadavo is listed as being in wild space. So that's outside of it's outside of the Republic. It's outside of sort of the. Uh, wild space because there are no mapped or very few mapped hyperspace lanes and so right, when you right. when you leave uh, when you leave the the outer rim uh, and you go into wild space you are literally taking your life in your hands mm-hmm. the opposite direction of the unknown regions yeah yeah, yeah. so Kadavo was uh, part of the Zagirian slave empire the planet was previously dotted with a bunch of inactive volcanoes However, the previous volcanic activity did leave the planet covered in smog. I think that's pretty well depicted in in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Omega climbs down from the building to a tower rooftop, but this rooftop has air holes in it, and a very low, very familiar growling sound can be heard from within. (laughs) This isn't a building at all. It's a cage. And with a renewed sense of hope, Omega drops down to open it, but as she fumbles with the cage door... Oh, what did I do here? Oh, <laughs> another, uh, I made another mistake in my notes. Oops. What a, a flavor. Is it as good as mayonnaise? It's good. It, this one's a flavor guard. <laughs> <laughs> flavor guard. A flavor guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking some deep shit when you're. Uh... I guess. This voice, this voice to text thing is not infallible. Let me tell you. <laughs> this tastes awful. I wish there was some sort of flavor guard. <laughs> my God. Put some riboflavin on it. Yeah, she fumbles with the cage door, but a guard catches her and then uh, drags her over, tossing her at Rainey's feet, saying that he caught her sneaking around the cage. But Omega defiantly replies, I wasn't sneaking. I was unlocking. As she smiles and she holds up the cage's locking pin, Rainey and the guards immediately turn their attention towards the cage, which is now rattling violently. Like it's shaking, like it's lifting (laughs) off the ground. It's that Jurassic Park raptor moment. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Rainy shouts at the guard, secure the cage! And the three guards struggle to hold the door shut, but it's no use, and the doors are literally blown off their hinges as a juvenile rancor bursts from the cage. I gotta tell you, because Star Wars has this like tendency to like recycle sound effects, so some of the, the guttural sounds that we heard from the rancor are also some of the same guttural sounds we heard Chewie make in mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. the the pit in solo and so you, there's this this moment of like is it isn't it 
is it? Isn't it? And you're not sure. And then the doors blow mm-hmm. off and I'm like, oh, okay, it is. There is no way I could have predicted that this was happening. There's no way. I had no idea. No, no, I didn't. I wasn't even sure until they sort of referenced it because the color palette looks very yep. different. Like, it does. It, it certainly shared a lot of the elements, but the, the stature and the sort of more sort of bluntness of it, like a, like squatness, the, yeah. the juvenile and then the color palette. Did you get the, I mean, through the episode, I mean, so, I mean, clearly at this point, it's safe to say that, you know, this is what we're, uh, uh, this is what we're looking at here, right? 100%. So, uh, surprise everyone. Guess what? Moochie is not the little kid. No. Moochie is a rancor. And here's where the major mm-hmm. retcon comes in. Moochie is female. Whereas right. previously, the rancor had always been depicted as male. Hmm. It's a different rancor. Do you think so? Yeah, actually, the male Rancor has a name. Oh. Yeah, and his name is uh, Patessa. Is that a new canon reference? It It's, and, uh, I mean, I'm not sure where it's actually re- referenced. Sure, uh, sure. It's canon, and it, it's, like, I, I just Googled it, and it, I found it. Maybe in the novelization that is a separate, of Jedi? Patessa is a male Rancor that Luke kills in, in Return of the Jedi, and that this... Interesting. They're saying... The 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 Wikipedia, although new, is saying that this is a yeah. separate, an additional rancor that. I just assume that Moochie is the nineteen or actually twenty three year junior version of this. Well, they also referenced at some point, and I think it might be a Legends novel where yep. Luke's on Dathomir, yep. riding giant rancor that. Yep. The the one that he killed in Jabba's palace was also a juvenile male. Interesting. So, but I mean, I found reference to a different name, a different sex. I think it's a different rancor. Okay. Well, it's just, he collects rancors like dogs. (laughs) Well, you need both to get a breeding population, right? Again, that's another good point. You know, that's another good point. One of, yeah, you would, you need a male and a female if you want to have children or maybe not, maybe they're asexual, who knows? But, um, the dynamic of our show, it's come up before, you know, we have differences of opinion and I think it's, it's cool that we can share those and, and, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put some, uh, I'm going to put some money on this one. Well, not really money. <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm sticking with, uh, Moochie is the, is the, is the 20 odd year junior of this guy. Girl. I just got to find exactly where it's canonized that that's the other way around and we'll, we'll, we'll throw it up on the fan page. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys have an opinion on that, don't forget you can, uh, Interact with us on our new Facebook group, the Fandom Power Podcast Fan Group. So if you're not part of that, hit us up there and join in the conversation because we're going to be talking about this stuff all week until we get to uh, the next episode. As you said, Hank, Rancors within Star Wars, though, they do have a pretty rich history and they were explored pretty heavily. I don't know what the uh, what the word is now, but at one point they were uh, native to Dathomir. They are still native to Dathmir. That's, right. Yeah. That's, that's so. Uh, yeah, I mean, still, here's yeah. a here's a depiction of a night sister riding one, and uh, that's that's a pretty cool image there. Yeah. If that does not conjure up, you know, uh, nightmares, and I don't know what would <laughs> be pretty imposing seeing that coming at you. Yeah. It would. And they were massive in that novel. They were they were so they were like yeah, you know much much seventy larger. feet tall, and it was it was really harped upon that the thing that Luke, like that Luke's feet. In, in Jabba's palace was, was, you know, akin to punching a 14 year old in the nose. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Man. 
All right, so Rainy shows uh, um, shouts at his guards to not let her get away, and they begin to open fire on her with their, uh, uh, I call them a blaster bow, because uh, I don't really know exactly what they are. Uh, but the bolts mm. do nothing uh, but piss it off. And in return, Moochie throws a, a hu- hurls a huge boulder at them and then uh, charges. For reference, I think the bows, I couldn't find a, because the episodes come out, and I mean, there's there's virtually no imagery for them until like at least a week later. but. Very similar, again, another uh, Night Sister reference. The bows are kind of reminiscent of their energy bows, but I think the the technology that that runs them is a little bit different because these ones have like more physical components and they're collapsible. Mm-hmm. Tech remarks that a rampaging adolescent rancor wasn't the distraction he was anticipating. It's at this point we start to get an appreciation for just how strong Wrecker really is as he digs in with his feet and he snaps the chains that were securing them to the central fountain and he rips off his shaw collar like it was made of paper. Yes. Keep in mind that this chain, like each le- uh, link of this chain is easily the size of a human fist. Like this isn't like plastic, uh, you know, like bank chain that you can buy at the hardware yeah. store. This is like <laughs> yeah, 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 this yeah. some serious stuff. And he's like, oh, not our problem. And yoink. So... Cool that uh, he could have just snapped it at any time of his choosing and didn't. <laughs> the Rancor charges at Rainy and uh, Rainy whistles for the Brezak. The beast swoops in and carries him off before the Rancor can reach him. Meanwhile, as Echo begins freeing the slaves, Omega approaches Moochie, who she believes is Moochie, telling her, it's okay, we're here to take you home. But the Faline, the adult Faline leans in and speaking in Faline says, she's not Moochie. Instead, they gesture towards the Rancor and say, Moochie, that's Moochie? The Rancor is Moochie? Moochie tears through several of the slaver guards and runs off from the square. Another guard on a speeder bike gives chase. By now, the clones have recovered their gear, and they too join the chase, knowing that if they don't catch Moochie, they won't get the intel on the bounty hunter from Sid. The mounted, uh, the speeder-mounted guard closes in on Muji and draws his blaster bow, but the Rancor swats him away effortlessly and continues running through the ruined city. Cool little moment here. I don't know if you guys caught it. It's another one of those blink-and-you'll-miss-it moments where there is a, uh, there's a shot over the shoulder of the, the guard riding the speeder, and uh, it's really evocative of the, uh, the pod race back in uh, mm-hmm. the Phantomanus. Yes. Looking at the ruins of the city, you can almost see, like, it almost looked like that, uh, I don't even know what the feature was, but there's a, like, a semicircular, like, an archway that the pods kind of go underneath. I thought, oh, this reminds me of the pod race. Hunter and the rest of the clones uh, pull up on uh, the downspeeder pilot. Hunter takes a bearing off the body. He does that little thing again where he picks up a little bit of dirt and kind of runs it through his fingers and then gives a hunter that way. Jones. Yeah, mm-hmm. takes a whole bearing off of them. And, uh, oh yeah, so then Omega asks, what do we do with the uh, the three slaves? Echo says that uh, the two of them will get them to safety, and the rest should go after Moochie. No surprise here, uh, Tech speaks Faline. <laughs> As he speaks, <laughs> he speaks to them, uh, like, in Faline. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, again, I said, uh, what, a week ago, two weeks ago? It's like he's always got the, the right answer to the, the question, whatever the question mm-hmm. is. More, right. more surprises from this guy. Um, what else can he do <laughs> that we don't know about? <laughs> Just keep seeing. 
at some point we got to come back to that uh, scanner that he's working on because that's, that's still building in the background. Well, I think it's kind of, you know, we spend so much time now on Wrecker's head injury that we're, we're going to need a solution for that sooner or later. Well, and that's probably going to be the, is, uh, the scanner. be what triggers it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or at maybe. least helps it along the way. Hunter, Tech, and Wrecker catch up with Moochie, who is now tangling with a group of slaver guards. The guards outnumber her, but she's holding her own. A sniper, mm-hmm. perched on a tower, tries to subdue Moochie with his electro net gun, but misses. <clears throat> Moochie, now in a fit of pure rage, throws her body against the tower, and the impact is enough to knock the guard off the top. It's a With, little bit of a Lord of the Rings-style reference there, where uh, Legolas runs yeah, the yeah. into the bottom of the tower. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit, anyway. With no other slavers in her way, Moochie turns toward the Bad Batch, and they ready themselves. But Moochie is distracted as Rainy swoops in atop the Brezak. Hunter fires at them, and the clones scatter for cover. Tech and Hunter manage to duck under the Brezak's wings, but the beast headbutts Wrecker, knocking him down. Rainy, deftly guiding the Brezak, ma- uh, engages Moochie, and the Brezak, using its long tail, knocks her down. As she slowly recovers and gets back to her feet, Rainy swings his electro whip over his head, uh, readying a strike, but Hunter charges in and tackles him off the beast. Moochie runs off, and the Brezak chases her. Hunter and Rainy look on as the two lumbering beasts run off. Then, in a fit of rage, Rainy yells at Hunter, You're going to pay for this, Skug. It's just <laughs> then, when Wrecker and Tech catch up, Hunter beckons them, Go after Moochie. I'll deal with him. The two foes square off, Hunter with his vibro knife and Rainy with, with his electro whip. Rainy, oh my lord, what's wrong with my notes here? And snares. Is that what that is? Yeah, he gets it around his arm and... That's true. Rainy ensnares Hunter's arm and unleashes a surge of energy through the whip, causing Hunter to drop his knife and fall to his knees. But Hunter, gathering his strength, pulls at the whip, drawing Rainy close. With a headbutt, he's able to rend the whip from Rainy's hand and kicks him to the ground. And it's, it's a moment for uh, for Hunter, too, right? Like, because he doesn't just pull. He wraps it around him. Yeah, he, he kind of, yeah, like he gets a hold of it. But did you notice there's a... Um, Give you an idea how much energy is is coursing through that. Did you see the smoke coming off of his arm where it was wrapped around him? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that that can't feel good. <laughs> Meanwhile, Echo and Omega lead the slaves towards some empty speeders. Carefully making their way through the debris, they come under fire from the slaver guards. But Echo returns fire with his pistol and is able to subdue them. As they lead the slaves past the guard position, Omega stops to pick up one of the blaster bows. With a look of awe, she activates the weapon, and the bow limbs spring open, startling her. Echo calls for her to stay close, and she quickly collapses the weapon and runs off to catch up. That's pretty cool, though, when she picks it up. She's gearing up. Yeah. The look of, like, like she's, like, completely start, like she's completely enamored with this thing. She picks it up, thumbs the stud, it springs open, and she's like, whoa! But then immediately, do you see the look of elation? Like, ooh! New toy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Meanwhile, the Brezak, still stalking Moochie, finally catches up with her and knocks her down with a headbutt. It turns to whip her with its tail, but Moochie grabs it uh, instead and bites it, (laughs) which I thought was pretty cool. The Brezak tries to flee, but Moochie grabs hold of the tail and slams it against the ground in a very bam, bam in the Flintstones way. Bam, 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 bam. bam. (laughs) (laughs) She tries to pummel its back, but the Brezak is able to slip out from underneath and fly away. 
just as Wrecker and Tech catch up. Wrecker asks Tech if he has any idea how to stop her. Tech consults his data pad and tells him that Rancors adhere to a social hierarchy and that he has to challenge the Alpha for authority. <laughs> tossing, his, <laughs> tossing his blaster to the ground, Wrecker exclaims, Oh, that I can do! As he shouts a battle charge. The two behemoths clash, and Wrecker is knocked to the ground while Moochie shakes her head, just having had her bell rung. But Wrecker gets right back up and lunges in for more. He grabs Moochie by the nasal septum <laughs> and holds on for the ride, but she tosses him aside like a sack of potatoes. Right. Wrecker throws a boulder at her and then jumps on her back, delivering a few blows to the back of her head before he grasps her collar and pulls hard on it. And uh, if you didn't get the reference, I mean, <laughs> I laughed when I saw it, but is it not, you know, this? Yeah. <laughs> Complete with the tongue out and the one arm grabbing at its throat? I'm like, oh, that's pretty cute. Meanwhile, Echo and Omega safely escort the slaves to the empty speeders. Patting the adult Thalene on the shoulder, he tells them, you're free, go quickly. The man thanks them for their help, uh, and the two children make eye contact, and Omega cheerfully waves and says, Bye. As the speeders streak off, the two clones turn and rush to get back to the others. As the clone squad is reunited, Wrecker and Moochie are still duking it out. Both combatants are now exhausted, and what few blows land are ineffective. Echo says, How long have you been at this? And Tech replies, Too long. He's losing his touch. Finally, the two juggernauts collapse in a heap, Wrecker on top of Moochie. She lets out a whine like a sad dog as Wrecker soothingly says, There we go, as he pets her neck. Omega approaches the two and says, She's kind of cute up close, while Hunter commends him with a nicely handled Wrecker. <laughs> we get another wipe shot. Oh, so let's just, let's, I'll stop here and talk about this for a second, because, I mean, this is a major action beat for the, the episode. As I said to Andy before we started recording, I said I was a little disappointed because the thumbnail for this week's episode was actually Wrecker fighting the Rancor. Oh, I see. So if you didn't, if you saw the thumbnail, it kind of spoiled. It was a bit of a spoiler for me, and I was like, oh, cool, but oh. I was lucky enough not to pay attention to it, so. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't actually, yeah, I just play. <laughs> well, spoiler, the thumbnail is Wrecker fighting a Rancor. Sorry. But so... I want to talk about Wrecker and this. We've talked about the the idea of Wrecker is the uh, he's the the muscle of the team, and uh, yeah, he just fought a Rancor and essentially won. <laughs> mm -hmm. He came to Rancor. That's what I mean. Like I know we talked about he shoved the three you know tanks off the cliff, but you know you could still make that argument that they were on uh, you know repulsor fields, which made sure, them you know sure, sure. not weightless, but I mean. You know, even or Boba Fett shoving Han Solo frozen in carbonite down the hallway, floating like it, it couldn't have. Yeah, like that's yeah. what I mean. Like it had to be, you know, a much simpler task than say uh, a pushing a, three Abrams A one. Well, this is what I mean. That yeah. are sitting on the ground <laughs> on treads, right? Right. But he literally just fought a rancor and beat it into submission. Sure, and then. Think about how dope Fennec Shand is by taking him out with one blow. Well, yeah, Boom. that totally recontextualizes that fight. <laughs> but uh -huh. the other part of that fight, the Rancor gives him a good few punches. Like his head takes some rocks to it. Absolutely. Well, it so definitely just does. more head he, trauma. He takes it that, uh, I don't know if it was a, a 
he got thrown or he got hit, but he flew, and I mean like flew, like in the air, uh, into that pile of rubble, which was like giant boulders, yeah. and that's where he reaches back and throws another yeah. boulder at it. Like again, I'm thinking, oh, he just hit his head again. <laughs> yeah, he's the tank. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I don't know about you guys, but if I ever met him in a dark alley, I am running the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> get another wipe shot back to the interior of Sid's office. She's sitting behind the desk and the office door opens and flanked by two Gamorrean guards in walks Bib Fortuna. He says that he's there because Jabba wants answers. Sid continues the fast talk saying not to worry. She always delivers on her promises. But Bib reasserts himself saying that there will be problems if she doesn't. And just as Sid explains that this is a delicate mission... The roar of a rancor can be heard in the distance. Bib, recognizing Moochie's roar, heads out to meet her. The clones and the rancor walk down the street towards the casino, with Omega riding atop Moochie's shoulders. Seeing Moochie, Bib embraces her, calling her, My sweet girl. Sid Sid pushes her way past the Gamorrean guards uh, to see the scene on the street, and she smugly tells Bib, See? All is well. Now, about the matter of payment... Bib snaps his fingers, and uh, one of the Gamorrean guards hands over three slim cases. The scene closes with the clones and Moochie saying their goodbyes to each other. In the moment, uh, it is perceptible to see that Wrecker is now Moochie's alpha, as she utters a guttural murmur directly at him before turning to be led off by Bib. Sid tells the Batch that she wasn't sure if they could pull off the job. Echo scoldingly says, you could have told us we were going after a rancor. But Sid, in her very coy tone, says, hmm, must have slipped my mind. That's right. If there's ever a moment where the batch gets to Tatooine, like, I would like to see a follow-up to this somewhere down the road, a year, two, three, four. I'd like to see Wrecker and Moochie meet each other again just to see what that second, to see, you know, what what visual you as a bystander say in Jabba's court see this rank or kowto to a a human can you imagine mm-hmm. the impact that has that'd be good it'd be a, like a white fang moment very much because this wolf recognized me years later yeah 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 mm. back in sid's office she and hunter look at the, at the uh, hologram of uh, fennec shand before they go in, though, Sid almost gives him a command, like, hey, Shady, let's go. Oh, uh, dar- uh, Dark and Broody. Yeah, Dark and Broody. Hey, Dark, dark and Broody, Broody, my office. So uh, they do, and they pull up the, the hologram of Fennec Shand. Sid reveals that her na- what her name is and that she's new on the scene. Word is she's taken a direct commission. So we're still no clearer on who hired her. Uh, she then warns Hunter that with someone like her on your heels, you're going to need uh, a lot of friends and a lot of money, but mostly money. <laughs> and Hunter replies, well, we're not swimming in either at the moment. And Sid says, well, I guess it's a good thing you met me, isn't it? Shutting down the hologram of Fennec, Sid hands Hunter one of the slim cases. She opens it, and it's full of credits. She tells Hunter that there's more where that came from if they're willing to do jobs. Right. Hunter reluctantly says that he'll think about it. But before he can leave her office, Sid stops him, saying, It's interesting. A bounty hunter of Fennec's caliber being after you? You fellas must be pretty valuable. Hunter turns back and frowns at her having caught the implied meaning, but Sid keeps it light by saying, Don't worry, I'm good with secrets. 
that, <laughs> yeah, at that, Hunter's frown deepens into an outright scowl. And then we fade to black and the episode closes. There's a big moment here at the end. And I, this is, I wanted to touch on this when we were talking about Sid and sort of her, her stature in the world and, and why I think she may be not as prominent as she may have once been. She knows, I mean, she just laid it out <clears throat> for them that, uh, you know, this, this moral ambiguity that she has. First of all, there's no way in my mind that she's not going to be a recurring character because that, you know, the line about the mercenary thing, how the whole thing works, they're going to need money. She's got the money. She's got the jobs, which also means like she's basically put them on speed dial. And I mean, Hunter knows it. Basically, she's, you know, I I can see this turning into like a love-hate relationship. Until they outlive their usefulness. Well, this is what I mean. She's kind of got them... I said it in my notes. She has them by the short and curlies because yeah. if she needs them for a job and they refuse because that she's a bad woman, she can just turn them in. That's right. So I, I think she's an awesome character. I'm really excited to see how she's used and how their, their relationship develops because I think that plays into everything we've already talked about, about, uh, the clones being on their own, having to make choices and, and, you know, their own sense of morality and how that's going to play out. And at the same time, and, she offers that uh, authority figure that says, okay, here, go do this. That's true. Yeah. Here's your next mission. Yeah, they go need, complete it. they need their Charlie. Right. Um, and the, the initial trailers for this certainly indicated that they were operating inside the underworld. Yeah. The, the initial trailer was like, oh, they're going to be, running mercenary jobs yeah. essentially bounty hunting. So yeah, and I think maybe you'll see more of that and then the plot develop through that sort of structure. Um or we may we may just go left of center, but they're certainly probably easier to find Fennec through her than on their own. Just you know, is that the direction that are they running from Fennec or are they trying to find Fennec? Yeah. Are you running away or are you running towards? It's a right. it's a good question. I mean, certainly the 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 easiest way to deal with something is to to meet it head on. But I mean, how do you meet it head on if you don't know how to find it? So, and that's it. I be- also like the little drop reference of there's many Jedi contacts that we could. This is the one I know. How yeah, to the find, one I know how to. We find could it. be revisiting. You know, we could get in this world. We could get our our old buddy uh, Cad Bane, or or you know, or. Yeah, I'm interested uh, to see what other underworld uh, faces turn up. I mean, yeah. you can't tell me that <laughs> it's only a matter of time, but you, you I bank on a, a Hondo Anachi uh, showing That's up. That's what I was, yeah, 100%. Hondo is going to show up. Um, yeah. He's a great character not to use. He's like almost like a, a Filoni staple. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's this week's episode. Andy, you got anything you want to close on? Not really. Um, great episode. Yeah, absolutely. Loved a little bit uh, of insight as to rancors and whatnot. Love the Return of the Jedi connection. Yeah. Um, I love that it was kind of pervasive throughout. And, and I mean, all of the connective tissue. You know, I feel like last week's episode, there it was a little a little thin on connect uh, connectivity for me, but this episode mm. more than made up for it. Yeah both forwards and backwards. It's like, just in case you forgot, don't forget this is all still out here. 
found the canon reference yeah. to uh Patessa being the name of uh, the Rancor the from Rancor. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's it's named in Chuck Wendig's aftermath novel. Yeah. Uh because when we meet um what's his uh guy from the Mandalorian, the the Marshal. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, uh Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth. Uh somebody that's working for him is the Rancor keeper. Oh wow. And there's a co- they actually have a conversation <laughs> where he talks about how hurt he was by the yeah, death yeah, of yeah. his rancor and they named the rancor. There. Interesting. Well, that's, that's I mean, they, definitely I, cool then. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, why wouldn't you have, have a fleet of rancors? This is what I mean. Like, is this I've some fleet kinda, of wolves? I've got a, but again, so here's another thing that may be supportive of that is, you know, the story about Jabba's rancor is that it was a, a birthday present, right? It was a, it was a mm-hmm. birthday present from two of his minions, but did you see how, you know, affectionate Bib was towards it. My sweet girl. Right. You know, like, right. Maybe that does suggest that this is another creature. In fact, what does it look like when your, your, your pit boss or, you know, is essentially macking on your dog? You know, I don't get it. <laughs> or maybe what you were talking about, maybe there'll be some like uh resolution. Maybe Wrecker will encounter, maybe we'll go that direction. And then, Something will happen. They'll yeah free that from Jabba's service. I don't know, you know. Yeah, that could uh, be. There's a dichotomy there. Is all I'm saying, and yeah. I'm 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 going with the Wendig novel until they counteract that specifically. Well, I mean, with the story group uh, supposed to be handling that kind of stuff, I would expect that it it won't be it won't be changed. So maybe what I maybe the retcon isn't a retcon at all, and you know, I'm just out in left field here, but. I mean, it's, it's a natural, like you're not, you know, you're not on acid. (laughs) It's a natural progression. I'm just saying I've, I've found uh, evidence to, to to, to point us that at a second rancor. I don't think I'm alone though in saying like a casual viewer would watch that and go, oh, it's the same one, just much younger, you know? I had to look it up because I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I automatically went there. So I'm interested to see how that plays out and, you know, the whole idea of, dominating and the alpha you know using the the pack animal reference record right. record so is the for alpha. me there's a little thing there too where you know i luke skywalker has to kill that thing not understanding yeah, yeah, yeah. or not having that ability as a jedi to see the living force you know so i, I had a thought re-watching it that ezra bridger fighting that rancor would be very different if, if you could tame that friggin' Rancor in Jabba's palace, then that Rancor is suddenly man. working for you, running through Gamorrean Guard. You know, that's a totally different... That could be cool, man. Ezra's uh, affinity for animals with his uh, his connection to the Force would would make for a very, very different... Uh, I started re-watching yeah. Rebels recently and yep. watching it like we do The Mandalorian and watching it like we do The Bad Batch. Yep. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm so close to asking you guys if you want to do a Rebel show because... <laughs> I, I was watching it in a whole other level of detail and the references and the stuff that, and you know, could we reference it a lot with the new shows, That's but right. it's so well steeped in the other six films that we'll talk about it off air. <laughs> sure. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for this episode. I think we've, uh, we've covered just about everything. If you guys picked out stuff that we didn't get, be sure to uh, drop us a line uh, in the comments and uh, let us know what you guys saw. And as always, if you enjoy what we're doing, stay with us because there's lots more to cover here as we continue with uh, the uh, fan batch review series. 
and what is it the kids say these days smash that like button. smash that like smash button. yeah subscribe that's right or like and subscribe push the bell <laughs> love us send us toys people do that to people on youtube you can send me toys i'm hip all right guys well that's it for this week for fandom power i'm wes i'm andy i'm hank and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one same batch time same batch channel Bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that, so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing, to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready... Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?